the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Glenn Beck. All right. Well, the the first trial in Robert uh, Mueller's Russia investigation is kicking off today. Today, they start picking the uh, jury members for Paul Manafort. Paul Manafort, if you remember, was President Trump's former campaign chairman. He came in towards the very end, and uh, then he was uh, booted out. He was the first courtroom casualty in what feels like an investigation that has been going on since the 1700s. But there are three things that we have to talk about here on what's going on. The first is, what is Manafort being charged with? The second question is, what does Mueller hope to gain here? And the third one is, what is the real issue that everyone is going to miss? Okay, so let's start with number one. Manafort is being charged with bank and tax fraud. He has been a lobbyist uh, and political uh, political consultant, I think, since the Jackson administration in 1830. Uh, he has worked with uh, presidential campaigns, Gerald Ford, Ronald Reagan, George H.W. Bush, and Bob Dole. And he has also lobbied on behalf of, let's say, some um, uh, not so uh, questionable leaders. How's that? One of these leaders include the now deposed former president of the Ukraine. And that is where Manafort got caught up in the uh, Mueller probe. Manafort has been really dirty and on the side of Russia in the Ukraine. The charges against Manafort allege that he made more than $60 million working in the Ukraine. Then he routed that cash through a shady bank in Cyprus and set up shell companies and disguised the money as loans received from these phony companies. Doing it this way helped him avoid U.S. taxes. Unfortunately, that's also highly illegal. So this is the case, in a nutshell, against him. So what does it have to do with President Trump? Nothing. Nothing. That's one of the problems. You can, you can make the case that this trial doesn't even belong to the Mueller investigation. Does catching some dirty, laundry, uh, dirty lobbyist laundering money have anything to do with the Trump campaign and the Russian collusion? Well, No. Absolutely not, unless Manafort, when he came on, helped or influenced and tried to get the the GOP platform changed to make the sanctions go away on Russia. And it was a real shock to the GOP that that was the only thing the Trump campaign asked for was a change in the platform to go softer on Russia. Was that Manafort? Was Trump even involved? You have to assume that Manafort is found guilty because, uh, I mean, he looks really, really guilty. He's been a bad guy long, long before he joined Donald Trump. Now, Mueller is probably hoping that Manafort's lips get loose during that time. But so far, he hasn't said anything. If he has anything on the president, that's when he's going to get it after he has been convicted. Manafort may actually have something Mueller can use against President Trump. I doubt it, but I mean, he might. But the real issue here is that I think a lot of people are going to miss what this trial is really all about. 
They're going to make this about Donald Trump and collusion and Russia. It isn't. This trial is about the dirty world of U.S. lobbying. This isn't a Republican or Democratic issue. This is a problem that crosses all aisles, all ideologies. There is real dirt in Washington, and people are getting very, very rich. And they're getting rich with money that comes from uh, countries that really don't like us. They're all lining up together to feed at the same trough. U.S. political operatives are working in foreign countries, influencing their elections, and then they're back here at home working for different foreign countries to influence our own elections. It is out of control. And if the press has any kind of common sense, decency, and patriotism left in them, They will make sure that that remains the real issue that comes to light in the Manafort trial. It's Tuesday, July 31st. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Jason Buttrell is uh, with us, and he is our uh, chief researcher and and foreign relations uh, chief and, and been watching Manafort, because we've been watching Russia for so long, long before uh, Donald Trump probably even knew Manafort's name. Uh, tell me a little bit about Manafort that we don't know, Jason. So I think I think one of the the, the biggest ties is like how are how are people tying him to Russia, um, Russia, Russian government officials, all that stuff? Because that seems kind of murky. Um, if you, but he it, is, but he is tied to Russian officials, is he not? I mean, isn't he? He is, you know, he was the uh, lead guy uh, for the president of the Ukraine, who's now been deposed, who is best friends with Vladimir Putin. So it was, he was Putin's basically handpicked person to Correct. to be the president of Ukraine. So right. that was Putin's strategy for basically taking back and influencing Ukraine was Yanukovych, the, mm-hmm. the deposed president. And Manafort was the guy sent there basically to ensure that he was going to be elected. Mm-hmm. But it even goes beyond that. It goes to actual confidence of a uh, uh, confidants of Vladimir Putin. Uh, and this person was actually the reason why he ended up getting caught in all of this. But uh, he uh, Manafort met up with a guy named Oleg Deripaska, I believe is how you pronounce his name. Um, he used to be the richest man in Russia. He uh, is an aluminum and industrialist uh, oligarch in Russia. I think he had about $26 billion in fortune uh, before the financial crash. Mm-hmm. After 2008, that went down to $5 billion. Wow. He got destroyed. Uh, lost a lot of influence in Russia, but it slowly started bringing it back. Um, so he, he's back on good terms with Putin. Um, but this man met up with Manafort and showed him basically the blueprint for how you funnel dirty money into Cyprus banks. And that's how you're going to keep all this stuff off the radar. And that's how you're going to be doing a lot of this work for us in Ukraine. Uh, mm-hmm. He's the one that said, yes, you, you create these shell companies. You have them uh, write these phony loans and how send them back this? to you. So this is all in the indictment. This all came through. Uh, when this first started coming out, uh, it came out from the, what was called the Black Ledger, mm-hmm. which was what they found in uh, the former president of Ukraine's, uh, I think, mansion right after. Right. Or, I'm sorry. No, not in his mansion, in the party headquarters. Right. 
And uh, so they found this ledger, which showed all these dirty, like, uh, cash payments that they were using. to. It would actually say, in right there in black and white, used to bribe the head of this party. You know, or use this. <laughs> I mean, it was, they, they were right. not trying to hide it. Right. But Manafort's name was written as a recipient to a lot of these checks. So you, you could see it. It's, it's, it's not hidden. And the interesting thing is this stuff is coming out. As this is coming out, Manafort should be laying low. He should be laying low. He should not be doing a thing. You would think that he would move to Cyprus, you know, right. or something like that. And just, right. you know, enjoy your 60 million dollars. Enjoy it. Dye your hair. Correct. You know, you know, grow a beard or stop dyeing your hair. <laughs> right. <case>. right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, what does he do? He goes and jumps on the most highest profile job that he could in the entire world. Why do you think he did that? It makes no sense. Right. I mean, it, I can't. That's the one part of this. You look at it because. He was dirty. This is the reason why when Donald Trump brought him on to his campaign and he said, I've only got the best people around me and we rang the bell and went, no, Manafort is a really bad, bad guy because we knew all of this. And you could, I just could not put it together on why Manafort would do this unless I mean, unless he was doing, you know, the bidding of somebody and trying to get. Uh, Trump elected because he knew that it would mean a lot more money to him. Okay, so yeah, I, and Stu, we were talking about this yesterday, um, but I, I, I believe people like Manafort are just that arrogant. I, I don't think that he really I'm, thought that he, I thought he was covered his tracks. He'd been taught by the best on how to hide yeah. this stuff. But then I don't think he even, he did, he did this, uh, the Trump job for free. Um, but to men like Manafort, to people that have been in this business of political influence sure. and this dirty lobbying world, money doesn't is, is, is not as valuable to them as the influence that they're going to gain sure. in that position. Sure. Yeah. It's a couple other things, too. Uh, a, he joins this campaign in a, at a time where things are really bad. Right. Mm-hmm. Lewandowski is on his way out. It does right. not look like they're going to win. So he joins uh, this campaign at a time of where everyone believes they're going to lose the election. Right. So, I mean, he does not get this much scrutiny. He probably still gets trouble, but he gets, doesn't get this much scrutiny without Trump actually winning. And number two, if you think of the career arc of Manafort, who worked very closely with Roger Stone, is it's a constant struggle to be in the in crowd in D.C. and constantly being pushed out of it. That has been the Manafort Roger Stone career arc. They started out, you know, early on. They were close. They were mm-hmm. one of the biggest lobbyist firms uh, in in D.C. Before that, they worked closely with people like Reagan as they were coming up, um, and they that they become so corrupt that they get pushed out of that inner circle. And this I mean, is that's his, corrupt. If you yeah. are so corrupt mm-hmm. that the people in D.C. are saying. You're too corrupt. That's pretty corrupt. He's really corrupt. Yeah. And here, he, I think the, he sees this as his path back into that club. Yeah. Uh, you know, where there is tons of money and tons of influence. Uh, he doesn't necessarily need to get it from the campaign. Right. Uh, but, you know, if he's ta- he took at that time, that was a job that no one wanted. No one wanted to be involved with this campaign at that time. And now everyone's changed now. But at that point, it was a it was tough to find someone as qualified as Manafort to run a delegate operation. So now let's let's separate um, Donald Trump from this, because I think I think Donald Trump has a way of conflating everything and it's wrong. And the press is conflating everything. Manafort is a separate issue. He was dirty before he joined Donald Trump. Um, There's no evidence that he did anything dirty while he was with Donald Trump. 
It's everything he was doing before and all of his connections to Russia. So it has nothing to do with Donald Trump except one thing. And it was a it was right after he joined the campaign that was during the convention and the GOP had to uh, look at their uh, their platform. And one of the planks of the platform was to go after Russia and to be tough on sanctions. And the only thing the Trump administration asked for was that plank to be removed, that they were going to change their strategy on Russia and the Ukraine and everything else. That made absolutely no sense at the time. To me, it still doesn't make any sense unless Paul Manafort, that's one of the reasons why he got into the campaign, was to try to steer it. Now, that doesn't mean that Donald Trump knew about it or anything else. But to me, that's the only connection to anything when involved in the campaign. And that doesn't mean that Donald Trump was part of it. And any again, thoughts? Well, and again, very, very hard to prove. Yes. Also, like even if right. he does come out, let's say he's he's been tried, convicted, and they're waiting on his sentencing. And Mueller comes to him and says, all right, so now that, you know, this is happening, you know, you're either going away for the Ever. rest of your life. Yeah. Or we're going to let you off in, on immunity or some kind of, you know, hand slap if you can prove that he was involved in some kind of. Collusion. How do you prove it? Unless you have email. Yeah. Unless you like have that. email. Or a co- maybe another Cohen videotape or something. Right. Like that. I mean, Who knows? I mean, you don't have any way to prove that, and I don't think that I don't think Cohen was was thinking that way. You know, I don't think he was thinking about, hey, I'm going to get in trouble. And I mean, Cohen Cohen is probably the kind of guy that is is uh, he's so slimy that he when he's doing stuff for for people, he wants to make sure I got a little insurance policy. You know, instead of I got an attorney or I've got it in a safe. He's just, I got it under my couch in my living room. I got a tape of you. But he's he seems to be the guy who uh, makes sure that he has some protection in case things go wrong. I don't think Cohen's that guy. I think you're right. I think he is so arrogant. He's, he's Leslie Moonves. I mean, all of these guys. What the hell are they doing? What are they doing? It's just about power, and they think they can get away with it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I it's 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 funny all the people that are working let's let's say they do have some kind of let's let's say there's something that says Manafort was trying to lobby and say let's ease some of these sanctions and then we'll you know uh, change and 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 change some of our policy towards Russia and all this stuff. Think about all the people that are involved at this point. You talked about you know this is a larger issue you know a Republican Democrat issue of all the people that are mixed up in foreign lobbying. Mm-hmm. I mean it's amazing. Just think about all the people that were working on the on the Magnitsky Act. Um, there was Fusion GPS, who was working with the DNC, who was working with um, Hillary Clinton's campaign directly. Then there was also uh, groups like the Podesta Group, who were also meeting with Fusion GPS. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got Paul Manafort. Uh, <laughs> all, all these people, like everyone, is working on the same thing. It's like yeah. it, it doesn't really have anything to do with getting anyone elected, but they're all working on behalf of Russia. And in, in the Podesta Group's case. They didn't register as a foreign uh, foreign agent and, saying and, this. Manafort didn't. Why did Podesta, as soon as that connection came out, what did he do? He shut his very <laughs> successful firm down and just disappeared. Is anybody even looking into that? We I are mean, on that TV is, today. Yeah. <laughs> so you got yeah. that going on for you. But this is the clearest case, I think, that, that the media doesn't actually care about Russian collusion. 
we keep hearing these words, you know, Trump keeps saying there's no collusion, there's no collusion. Well, this trial is about Russian collusion in many ways. It's just it's just nothing not to do with, with the election. Trump. Yeah, it's got yeah. nothing to do with Trump. It's got nothing to do with the election. It's Manafort has colluded seemingly with the Russians uh, over a long period of time. It was just way well before Trump was involved with Manafort. And if they actually cared about Russian influence, and if that was what this was about, the media would be obsessing about this trial. Yeah. But they well, don't but care they, about it because it's not it's not really it doesn't seem mm, like the end game is taking Trump out. Correct. It's not about it, they don't care about it because it doesn't take Trump out, but I think it goes a step further as you'll see tonight on TV. It also includes the uh, the Democrats. Yep. I mean, the collusion with Russia and not on an election. Mhm. Just to accomplish Russia's goals, the FBI has stated there is a mountain of evidence. Okay, so how come we don't talk about any of that? Because a lot of it revolves around the Democratic Party. Thanks, Jason. We'll uh, look for that update tonight at 5 o'clock on the Blaze TV. You don't want to miss it. Also... Kevin Williamson is going to be joining us uh, tonight. Uh, we're going to spend a few minutes with him. And he, I think he's also on the news and why it matters tonight. Isn't he? Oh, really? Yeah. He's, uh, you know, he's the guy who was so evil that the Atlantic hired him and then fired him, I think, four or ten days later. He's got a lot to say tonight. All right. Simply home safe, uh, simply safe home security. Great security system. Fantastic protection. I have it in my house. Now, this is a company that had nothing, nothing. It was just five guys getting together and trying to build a better mousetrap, build a better security system. Well, they have. And uh, they just got an evaluation of, uh, I think, a billion dollars. And that's because they are protecting now uh, two million businesses and homes all around the nation. And they've just gotten started comprehensive protection for your home with round-the-clock professional monitoring and police dispatch you get the protection against intruders and fires and leaks and you know busted pipes all of it it keeps working if your if your wi-fi is down if you're if somebody comes in and uh, tries to smash the keypad it still calls police if the power is off the system is incredibly easy to use it's intuitive and it takes about a minute to set up with Simply Safe, no contracts, no hidden fees, you own the system and you're not going to believe the price. Really check it out. 24/7 monitoring is only $14.99 a month. That's it. No contracts. Take control of your life and your own security with simplysafebeck.com. That's simplysafebeck.com. Get 10% off now at simplysafebeck.com. So it looks like Iran is starting to collapse. Uh, as soon as we, as soon as we pulled the deal, uh, pulled away from the deal, uh, their their monetary system began to collapse. It is it's it's going to end up looking like Venezuela, which is really good news. Um, you know, in some ways, yes, in some ways, it's, in not, some ways. it's not going to be good for them. there. But I mean, long term, it probably is. Yeah, right? maybe, I mean, if, maybe if this never... regime can be removed. Correct. So we'll we'll continue to watch that for you. Venezuela is melting down. But the good news is we aren't headed in that same direction. No, we, we told you yesterday that uh, the new um, uh, health care for all the uh, Medicare proposal that uh, the left is starting to make is only by their estimates. How much? Thirty two. Thirty two trillion dollars. Thirty two trillion dollars. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, over a 10 year period. Now, just so you know, 32 trillion dollars. Sure, it sounds like a lot, um, but there's a little more to that. And we're going to get into that. We're going to get into that here in uh, just a second. Stand by. This is the Glenn Beck program. So before we move on, we have to take care of an argument here that Stu and I have been having for the last couple of days. Uh, we got a we got a tweet in. It said, uh, Glenn, my birthday is 918. How about an autographed copy of your new book? I'll post and boost the post uh, uh, that it's better than Bill O'Reilly's book. Unless, of course, Bill sends me an autographed copy, in which case I'll declare his better. Uh, now, I mean, you had me. It was your birthday and the birthday on the day your book, the book comes out. I'm thinking, you know, we give him a, and Stu says no. No, that's that's stupid. You should not give him a book because it's his birthday on the same day your book is coming out. Well, I just thought it would be nice. Now, I'm, I am a little bit drawn in by a second part of his proposal, which is he will say our book is better than Bill O'Reilly's book. Right. Well, and he'll post it to his Twitter following. And that there's some real return there, unlike your socialist plan to just give him things for nothing. Benji, welcome to the program. We're, 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 How are you, Mr. well, very good. I mean, except we're torn. First of all, happy birthday soon. Uh, but Stu says that, uh, you know, you really have to work on it. And I, I see the not so thinly veiled uh, threat here about what you're going to say about Bill O'Reilly's book. But there's not a chance Bill O'Reilly is going to send you a free book. Not not a chance. Well, you know, I'm a capitalist. You're a capitalist. I may only have 64 Twitter followers, but they would run through a wall for me back. Right. So I just, <laughs> the, the 64, wait a minute, wait a minute. The 64 <laughs> t- Twitter followers would run through a wall for you. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and you know how this would play out. If Bill outsells you, he oh, would come out with his next book called oh, no. Killing Back Book. Oh, I know. So, I know. <laughs> no, I know. You don't have to. Well, tell me a little bit about yourself, Benji. I'm a uh, certified pharmacy technician mm-hmm. and a preacher. I live in Kentucky, mm-hmm. um, so there's there's not a whole lot of meat on the bone there. But that's that's who I am. Right, right. And you've been a subscriber uh, to the Blaze for a long time. Oh yeah, since day one. Uh, it was GBTV. Wow. Uh, the first day it was available, I subscribed to it. Wow. Now I hear, I I see here because you know we did some checking into you. I see that you're having surgery on Friday. What are you having surgery for? Yeah, um, <laughs> this is actually a, a minor surgery um, for me. I had um, a major back surgery when I was 30. Uh-huh. I had a heart attack at 35 and another heart surgery later. So this is actually a minor surgery by my standards. It's a uh, uh, sliding hiatal hernia yeah. and acid reflux surgery. Wow, okay. Wow, okay. You so- don't sound like a good investment. we only have till friday where we can count on you Mm. i mean you know sure an acid acid reflux surgery doesn't sound bad but you could go at any time just based on your record there's an easy way to solve this i think what we do Mm -hmm. tell me if this sounds doable to you benji (laughs) we you first of all part one guarantee 64 book sales um, every one of your followers will purchase the book guaranteed. Number two, <laughs> if something happens to you in this surgery, you take part of whatever you've saved in your life, and that goes to purchasing the rest of the 64 books, whatever hasn't been sold. So if he dies? Oh, yeah. If he dies, okay. then yes, the, the, whatever inheritance was going to your kids yeah. or whatever okay. goes to Glenn and his, and his books. 
Yeah, I mean, you, you can run the statistics on it, but I would guarantee that. You'd guarantee that. You'd guarantee that. Okay, well, I think giving one book away for, for 64 guaranteed book sales, that's, uh, you know, that's, I'll give you the money for a hamburger today if you'll pay me Tuesday. I think that always works out. Uh, Benji, hang <laughs> Hang on just a second. We'll, we'll get you a, a book. Thank you so much for listening and and um, and being a fan for so long. I wish you the best. Are there, I mean, there is. I mean, you know, you're not putting your affairs in order or anything for the surgery, are you? <laughs> well, you know, I, look at look at Pat. I mean, his last broadcast could have been a few weeks ago. He could have went at any time. Yeah, <laughs> He's still, yeah. So, yeah. You know, you're right. And and I. Jeffy's been around for what five hundred years now. Come yeah, on, yeah. There's something wrong with Jeffy. I think he's made a pact with somebody. But uh, uh, Benji, thank you so much. God bless you, and uh, hang on the phone. We'll get your address and stuff, and I'll send you a book. And we'll get you, we'll get you that book after we get the signed contract, return and triplicate. <laughs> thank you, Sue. Well, thank you, man. That's why Stu's the executive producer, and I'm just the schlub. You know what I mean? For that's great. Congratulations, you've sold sixty four books so far. That's it. You got that. You know how much trouble I'm in with Bill O'Reilly. Oh, we have awful. to come up with something. I'm I'm open for options. We have to come up with something. His book is released the same day my book is released. His book is about the Nazis. Nazi books always sell really always well. Always sell really well. Mm-hmm. Always and his, sell. His killing series is is one of the yes. biggest successes of all time. Yes. Yes. And you're you're in trouble. Here. Yes. I'm in need trouble. People and I like Benji. I, I cannot have Bill O'Reilly. It'll be right. Oh, he's going to torture you constantly. Oh, my gosh. It'll be a nightmare. I don't care if it's one book sold more than his. Mm -hmm. It has to be. Otherwise, he is an uncontrollable monster. Mm -hmm. So I'm counting on you. That's coming your way. I'm counting on you. Come up with something. I don't know what it is. Maybe we have Hillary Clinton come in and buy a bunch of books, and they they just keep it in a warehouse along with all of her books. I don't care what it is. I don't care what it is. The good thing is, though, we're going to have a lot of extra money nationwide to spend on books because of uh, Medicare for All. Right. It's going to save us a bunch of money. Okay, well, it's actually... I don't think so. Here's the thing. It's 32, according to the Democratic estimates, it's $32 trillion over 10 years. But that's not really counting everything. That's just the basic foot in the door Medicaid for all. So if you need if you need anything else, if which you always do, um, it, it, the number is how much when you add you add up all of it. Well, and that's been kind of the the back and forth with the numbers is important, and it's been tough to understand because if you remember, the first estimate came out at thirty two point six trillion dollars. Mm-hmm. And the left laughed that off, uh, and they said, there's no way it's going to cost that much. And then the other study from uh, the left showed that it would only cost $32 trillion. So it was way less. Right. Now, the, way less. Now, if you look, however, at the actual study, there's a minor issue here in that basically what, is it, what it does is assume that everyone gets Medicare, and then all of the doctors and hospitals... Except except the 40, 30, 30 to forty 30 to 40% lower payments that mm-hmm. Medicare provides and they're gonna love outside that. of private insurance. Yeah, they're going to love that. There's a good argument to be made that they're not going to be that appreciative of that. Uh, oh, no, 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 mm-hmm. no, no. These, these, these are servants. They, they love to, yeah. Doctors, they will absolutely uh, take that, uh, you know, a 40% pay cut. Hospitals, uh, you know, GE. 40% pay cut on, on you know, their new products. 
Mm-hmm. They're all going to love it. They're, they're, a lot of people really like that. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of people really like paying all of that. Now, what they're trying to spin this out, and it's, a, it's an amazing uh, magic trick in which they're trying to say that everyone's just going to accept this and it's going to work with no change in your service, which is obviously <laughs> absurd. I mean, if we fall face, for this, if we fall yeah. for this, please, somebody put me in a capsule and just shoot me into space. Yeah, it's, it's that stupid, right? I mean, especially in a world where we are currently seeing what's happening in Venezuela. Yes. The fact that we have an ongoing example of these policies being played out going on right now with their million percent inflation rate and people eating dogs off the street because there's no food. If you're lucky, zoo animals disappearing because people are eating them. That's going on in the world right now. At the same time, this country is is entertaining Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. It's an amazing world we live in. But when you look at the Medicare for all part, again, this is just health care for one country. They go through and they, the same study does the estimates of what really is going to happen uh, if, uh, if we try to do this. And the actual cost appears to be about $46 trillion, an additional $14 trillion in cost. Now, of course, that does Whoa. not uh, cover other things. There's a, there, you know, for example, Medicare, if you're on Medicare, you know this, doesn't pay for every dime of your health care. It does not cover everything that you're paying. You you likely have supplemental See, insurance this on sound, top of that. You make which is this another cost. You make this sound expensive, but forty six trillion dollars. Mm-hmm. We're the richest country in the world. Forty six. Don't know if that's true. Oh, absolutely, it is. Do it without question. So, but 40, I want to question it because we owe a lot mm, of money. Yeah, it so, doesn't matter. Okay. Uh, forty six trillion dollars. That is only as much as every dollar. Every ruble, every won, every clamshell spent, earned, or made in the entire world for a year. Okay, that's just that's fifty-five trillion dollars. This is only forty-six. That leaves nine trillion dollars left. And all you have to do with that nine trillion is everything else in the United States, plus all things, including healthcare, around the world. Mm-hmm. But you do get now. This is ten years compared to one year. So, yeah, but it's still so, fifty-five trillion dollars. So what is that? So, I mean, yeah. come on. Who's going to have a problem? It's on. one country. It's it's four percent of the population spending. You know, uh, the entire GDP of the entire world <laughs> on one thing that doesn't even cover all of it. I mean, that sounds reasonable to me. Now, that sounds. I will say, some people will say. Maybe we shouldn't spend $46 trillion. And look, let's be honest about it. In the $46 trillion estimate is, for example, a quote-unquote savings of, tr- of over a trillion dollars in administrative costs. Holy cow. Now, because government's going to be so efficient with this money, oh, that yeah. they're going to save trillions of dollars. Yeah, no, on red tape. Oh, on oh, red yeah, tape yeah, yeah, yeah. and on lowering prices of, yeah, of different yeah. uh, sure. you know, medications sure. and all of the things that are... Sure. Like, because mm-hmm. we all know mm-hmm. when someone says to you, you know what? This is totally free. Spend whatever you want. You're not going to you're going to totally monitor your spending and make sure you don't get any extra tests. Mm-hmm. You're going to make sure you don't get anything. Well, anything you don't extra. have to. No, you don't have to mm-hmm. because the government will. Right. Yeah. They, they, they yeah, eventually the will have I mean, to just because ask Charlie, they'll run out of money. Yeah. Just ask Charlie Gard. Yep. You know, if it's not, you know, if it's not completely needed. Uh, or we don't think there's a chance that uh, you don't need it. You don't need it. And, so it's going to be good. And by the way, taxes now the highest the highest amount we have ever raised is just over three trillion dollars in a year, and it was just this last year. That's the highest income tax we have ever raised as a nation. Mm. 
Okay. <clears throat> we're already spending $4 trillion. So we're already a million dollars more than we can raise. They want to add an additional 3.2. So, so wait, so if this is over 10 years and it's 3.2, uh, it's 32 trillion, that means it's $3.2 trillion a year, thereabouts. Mm-hmm. Where we get that money? Does that mean we only have to double our taxes and we are still a trillion dollars shy? Lucky we're the we're the richest country in the world or something. Yeah. Um, but give me let me give you the case of two services here quickly. OK. Remember uh, a few years ago, I don't know, mm-hmm. seven or eight years ago, I would mm-hmm. say. Yeah. You wanted to watch a specific episode of a TV show. Right. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't available mm-hmm. on demand. You would mm-hmm. go to iTunes. Remember this? Yes. And you'd, per- you'd buy an episode for a couple bucks. Mm-hmm. And it was a pretty cool, pretty cool deal. Mm-hmm. Right. It was it was it was something. That was was great. Something. And then sort of Netflix took over. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you could watch you could pay nine ninety nine a month and watch as much as you wanted. Mm-hmm. When are you watching more TV? When did the term binge watching start? It started after you had the subscription and you could go as much as you want, mm-hmm. right? You could watch as many shows as you want all in a row. If you had to purchase each individual episode like you did back in the day with iTunes or a 20 or $30 a month, uh, you know, per series, you're not going to tr- you're not going to take chances on it. You're not going to go and get all the This is what's happening with healthcare. It it has happened over and over again. People don't care what the thing costs. And when the government, when it's your fundamental human right to have your health care costs paid for by those evil rich people, you think you're you're not going to you're not upspending in these situations? Of course you are. It's going to be way more than forty six trillion dollars. We're going to dream about the day where it only cost forty six trillion dollars. See, I disagree with you oh, because you because you will run out of money. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's there's no yeah, money, yeah, and yeah. so th- what will happen is we will enter into the realm of the british healthcare system on day one and that's there will not be enough money it's it's true i mean it dries up quickly and then you have just a terrible healthcare system which we've seen all all around the world yeah it's almost like um eight years ago somebody predicted all of this and uh, oh i remember it was you and 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 me it's pretty amazing Hmm. here it is and by the way the people who designed obamacare who also predicted that this would eventually turn into exactly what we're talking about now, a single-payer system. And remember Barack Obama early on in the campaign talking about that's what he actually wanted. All these things were called hate speech because I guess he was black or something. I, I don't I don't know how healthcare policy has anything to do with that. But that's what we were told at the time. And then here we are with them proposing exactly that and now dominating the conversation. Amazing. Many people have a hard time picturing how to update their home, um, especially when it comes to window coverings or blinds, shades, shutters, drapes. Uh, They don't even try to make simple improvements that can have a dramatic effect on their home. Well, blinds.com has a really cool section on the site where it's before and after pictures and just to help you get your imagination going. Blinds.com is the easiest way to reimagine your home. Blinds uh, and new custom blinds, shades, shutters, drapes, from Blinds.com can make you feel like you've changed everything in your home without a huge expense. Just changing the window dressings is gigantic. 
and they, they, they'll guide you through the entire measure install process for free. You're going to get free samples. The shipping is free. Plus, you get free online design consultation. So people who really know what they're doing are going to be able to look at your room if you don't have the imagination to put it all together. And they're going to say, you know what? Try this. Try this. What do you think of this? And they'll show it to you. And it's so simple, and it's free. Blinds.com, the number one online retailer of custom window coverings for many reasons. Now through August 2nd, you can save up to an additional 50% off, plus take an additional 5% off site-wide when you use the promo code BACK. That's up to 50% off, plus an additional 5% off site-wide at Blinds.com, promo code BACK. That's promo code BACK at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions to apply. Sean Spicer, he was the press secretary for the president. Uh, he's going to make a lot of going to make a lot of money on a new book called The Briefing. Uh, he's in with us next. We'll talk to Sean Spicer when we come back. Glenn Beck. It's Tuesday, July thirty first. This is the Glenn Beck Program. I am interested in history, and the older I get, the more interested I am in documenting the voices of the people who actually were there or made history. And one of the guys who played a very important role uh, in history in the last few years has been Sean Spicer. He, of course, was the uh, the press secretary uh, right off the bat for Donald Trump. He has a new book out called The Briefing, Politics, the Press, and the, and the President. Sean, are you a fan of uh, Melissa McCarthy? <laughs> Good morning, Glenn. <laughs> How are you? Uh, I, I, yeah, sure. I, will, I am a fan. You are? It, it, she's, I, she's a talented person that, that played a role, yeah. uh, or several roles. <laughs> right. I thought I, I actually thought it was a very funny. I thought she was very, very funny and kind of, uh, I think, kind of made you a little more likable in some ways because it just kind of made the whole thing into, I don't know, something we could laugh about. Yeah, I'm not really sure what that, that means that we started. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's but, uh, let me let, look, the first one. The first, there's definitely the first one was, was not only funny, but I think well deserved. I think you know, and again, she's playing a role, so yeah, it, it's not like, but but um, but I think the subsequent ones uh, started to get a little personal and mean, um, yeah. which is you know, you know, a big boy, I can take it. It comes with the territory if you're going to yeah. take a job like that. Um, the, let's start on the one where you just said, you know, the, the first one maybe was deserved. The, 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 the explanation that you have in the book is, is fascinating to me about, you know, the inaugural numbers and you trying to figure out what your role is. Give me a real quick synopsis of, of that and what happened. So here's the, the, literally the 60 second version, obviously the further big ones in the book, but the first thing I think people have to understand is the mindset. We've constantly been under attack as conservatives in general, but secondly, just our ground game wasn't good enough. Our, our data wasn't good enough. We were never good enough as Hillary was, no matter what we did, no matter what we won, no matter what we accomplished the night before the inauguration or the, the day of the inauguration, the press goes out and starts talking about how Martin Luther King's bust had been removed. Oops, not really, but then you can't unring that bell. So there's this mindset, and I think people need to understand that, that we are feeling under siege. The next morning, the president wakes up, and he starts looking at 
Now, footage not of what he did signing executive orders, not about his uh, agenda, but about like, oh, well, on this swath of land, uh, there was not more. There were less people than Obama. And I'm scrambling on a Saturday morning of a three day weekend after an inaugural when I think two federal employees throughout the government were probably working. And I say that respectfully, but it's just my point is that we're trying to figure out how do we talk about that there actually was a ton of enthusiasm for this new president and his agenda. And I'm scrambling trying to find out any, anyone who can tell me about web traffic or people, anything and saying, okay, like let's build a case that shows that like, this is petty. Who cares how many people were standing in a particular area? Let's actually talk about the fact that people were streaming it live. They were watching it in different ways that they hadn't in the past. And yes, they are. There was excitement and enthusiasm for this new president. And it was, it was sort of like, you know, one of those MacGyvers where you're trying to take a bunch of random things and build some kind of bomb. And and, and I was literally, I, I write in the book and I'm pretty, I think straightforward that this was a day that I wish I could do over again. But the goal wasn't to deceive or do anything like that. As a lot of people are the key, it's it's it was trying to say this is ridiculous. Look at all of these other ways that people are showing their excitement or interest. So, did, is the job of the press secretary now, in hindsight, is the job of the press secretary to defend the president and speak for the president, whether or not you know that's true or not, to just speak for him? Or is it to say, look, here's where the, you know, uh, you know, misperceptions are or here's, you know, let me answer this. But when he says something like that, you just say, I, you know, the president speaks for himself. I don't I can't speak to that matter. Which is it? Well, and, and, and in many cases, I did say that where I'd say, you know, the tweet speaks for itself or because, again, the, the, the question to your question is what is the question? So, in other words, if somebody says, what does the president believe? Then my job is to say the president believes or feels or what have you the following. If they ask a fact of government, which is, you know, has this been confirmed or does two plus two equal four? Then my job is to say, yes, two plus two equals four. Or, you know, or if, if it's not a true supposition, then to say that that's not true. But in the case of when the question revolves around what the president believes or what the president's views are on something, then it is strictly to basically say to the president privately, here's what they're asking. Here's what I recommend. How do you think knowing here's my recommendation? He gives it back to you. And then ultimately, once the president or any principal, for that matter, makes a decision, you then say the, the individual believes or has the following views. Full stop. Your job isn't to interpret to say the you know, they believe the following, although I don't agree with that. It's not about you. You're not your spokesperson, not an interpreter. But they kind of want you to say, I don't agree with that, which that's not your job, that you should be fired if you say those things, right? Sure. And in, and in particular, I, I spent uh, a few years in the Bush administration doing trade work. And so I would get these things all the time. Sean, don't you believe that that's ridiculous, whatever? And I'm like, look, I, I serve different principles and my job is to privately and give them the counsel that i think that you know, i can share with them the advice but ultimately it's to serve them it's not like who cares whether i work for somebody who didn't yeah. share the same views as someone else that's by nature going to happen tell me about the day that the steel dossier came out uh you know here you have a, a president and and buzzfeed releases something that says you know about golden showers and all kinds of crazy stuff 
and uh, CNN calls you, Jake Tapper calls you. What was that day like? Take us through there. That that day goes down probably as the day when I realized that the Rubicon had shifted, that it was now about trying to it wasn't about solid journalism. It was really going to be a gotcha game. And uh, and I talk about this in the book, but basically I get this call from Tapper. He says, hey, look, give me a call. I want to run something by you. And I, I'm starting to go back and forth with him. Hey, he says, I'm on air. I'll call you later. Finally, just shy at five o'clock, he says, look, we got this thing that we're, we, we've got this dossier that we're going to print. Uh, we're aware of it. And um, it makes these accusations against the president. And I'm saying, whoa, 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 hold on, because the underlying document that they're talking about is classified. So in order for us to be able to refute it, we have to chase down this classified document, view it in a classified setting, and then be able to figure out what we can actually say based on whatever the contents were and, and, and what the inquiry specifically was. They're like, well, you have an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and. So we are, we are scurrying around, and one of the underlying things is it talks about, you know, in, the, in the one particular case, talked about where Michael Cohen was in some place, and I call Michael, and I talk about this in the book, and I said, do you have a passport? And he's like, of course I do. I have it on me. And I said, okay, I need you to drive back to Trump Tower, and I didn't tell him why. And he's like, are you kidding me? As you know from being up there, traffic yeah. in New York is not exactly. Yeah, no, that's and not. So a... he comes back, and, and I, I open his passport. He's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I want to see if you were out of the country um, at any point during this alleged area. And they, the answer was no. And I'm saying to BuzzFeed, CNN, you guys realize that like one of the charges here is completely refutable because I'm staring at the documentation that shows that he had never left the country during anywhere close to this time frame. And, and it, it was just, it was like, well, that's your response. And then they started making accusations about what we had been briefed in a classified briefing on, I think it was January 5th or 6th at Trump Tower. I sat in on that meeting. And I have these reporters telling me what was briefed. And I said, that's just simply not true. I sat in the meeting. I watched Jim Comey turn to the president-elect and say, Mr. President, can I speak with you privately? The conversation lasted 60 seconds. He didn't show him the document. And I know that because they made a point of saying the document at this time is not ready to be viewed. We're not, it's not done. So we're going to just give you a heads up as to the general nature of what that there is a document out there. And Tappers and a bunch of these other guys are asserting that he was briefed on all these allegations and shown this document. It simply isn't true. And, Glenn, here's the kicker. Since the book has come out, uh, when Tommy went on his book tour, he admits that he didn't brief him on the actual document. And Clapper says that Comey was the one who did it. And the, all of these guys fail to actually retract any part of their story because, well, you know, it's it's not that that's just not what they do. Sean, did you find anyone that was in the mainstream media that you thought, OK, I really disagree or they come to the wrong conclusions on this or that, but they are truly trying to get to the to the truth? Yeah, you don't have to I name them. Well, I mean, I, I do in the book line. I actually say that there are a bunch of these reporters, and I name like 10 of them, that I think I don't always agree with their stories. But every time I dealt with them, and sometimes it wasn't pleasant, believe me. But I always said, like, I thought about it after the fact in the current, based on you know, what the current environment is. I said, okay, let's just do this. I may not like their reporting. I may disagree with it, but it's a free country. And every time that we had a tough story, they came and said, this is what we're reporting this is what we think happened based on these sources. We would like your side. And I thought to myself, okay, in fairness, 
that if, if they are actually being pros and saying, look, we, we were given this information, here's what we want your side, I at least had to give them some credit for at least doing, doing due diligence. Sure. More and more reporters now go, we have eight sources, we're running with the following. And it's like, wait mm-hmm. a second, those are heavy allegations. Can we have some time to refute it? It's amazing to me these days what constitutes breaking news. It's anything that they get needs to be refuted or questioned within you know, a 60-minute time frame. And many, in many instances, that's just not possible. They'll, they'll send you an email and say, Glenn, I emailed you an hour ago. We're going with the story. I mean, not that we talked to you, not that we contacted you. They fire off an email and say, well, we sent you a note an hour ago. So in my case, many of the meetings that I went to were classified. You couldn't bring in electronic devices. Mm-hmm. So you get these notes you know, after you walk out and you go, great, I have 10 minutes now to unpack this. And they're like, well, we're printing it. And you're going, what's the urgency of whatever? I mean, I get if, if there's a national security issue or something that's, you're, you're trying to beat out eight people on a story that's moving. But in many of these cases, it was just because they were, they wanted to make sure that they, they got their, their story up, you know, as quick as possible without necessarily ensuring that they were right. And they, they probably want to get, did you, did you get the sense they wanted to get the story up before you had the ability to come up with a defense and actually understand the full story? Like they, it's, it's not necessarily always even about beating their competitors. It's about getting the story up before you have a chance to defend it. That's right. No. And I think more and more that's the case. And I was like, well, where what?" and part of it was, they were like, well, we don't want to get tied up. Like, I think that what it is is they felt like the longer it was out there, the more opportunity they were giving you to either deconstruct it, to push back and to fight it. And so they could say in their story, we reached out for comment and they didn't get back to us. And yet in, for the reader, it looks like, Oh, that sounds fair. But to anyone on the inside who knows what's going on, you're like, literally you gave me 60 minutes to unpack a really complicated issue. And, provide any kind of alternative uh, set of, of, you know, scenarios or facts to say, this is actually why this occurred. So in many cases, when you throw out an accusation, until you have time to talk to the people, to read the documents, to understand the policy at hand or where something stands in terms of uh, the approval process, you can't just make a snap decision. You want to make sure you're getting it right. And so the press is like, well, guess what? You have 30 minutes, 60 minutes, whatever it is. And if you don't, we're going to publish it. Say that we asked for comment and you declined. Sean, do we have you to the bottom of the hour? Well, you have me as long as you want. Okay, okay, great, great, great. Um, so, so hang on the phone for just a second. Um, we're talking to Sean Spicer, new book called The Briefing, Politics, the Press, and the President. Uh, coming up in just a second, more with Sean Spicer. Let me tell you about our sponsor this half hour. It is Goldline. They have a new product that they have just had minted by the Royal Canadian Mint. Uh, they call it the uh, Four Nines Pure. It's a silver maple flex bar, and it is comprised of 19 individual bars of silver that make up two ounces of silver. Now, it's a really innovative design. It makes it possible for you to take it, and it looks like a credit card, and you can take it and you can break it apart like this, and then you'd have, let's say, I want to be able to barter for something, uh, and I need a, you know, a quarter ounce of uh, silver. Okay, this this makes it m- much more reasonable if we ever go into a real bad situation, Venezuela. You see what's happening with Iran, um, because you'll have one twenty ounce bars of silver. 
you'll have five one-tenth ounce bars and four one-quarter ounce bars of silver. Each bar is legal tender, guaranteed for its weight and purity by the Royal Canadian Mint, and the only people that sell this are Goldline. So I want you to call Goldline, 1-866-GOLDLINE, 1-866-GOLDLINE, or goldline.com. Read their important information, but ask them specifically about the Maple Flex Bar. This is a really great investment for your future, especially, you know, should things go uh, crazy and they don't seem to be getting any better. So I might want to check that out if I were you. Offered by Goldline now, 1-866-GOLDLINE, 1-866-GOLDLINE, or goldline.com. Sean Spicer, uh, the name of the book is The Briefing, Politics, the Press, and the President. I didn't exactly know how this uh, interview was uh, was going to go, um, and Sean and I don't know each other, uh, and I really appreciate his honesty and openness and um, willingness to to just uh, take it head on and and share with us what it was like to be in the position that he was in uh, under attack. Sean, welcome back to the program. Um, Thanks for having me. I appreciate the kind words. So, so, so Sean. If I put myself in your shoes, there had to have been times to where even if you didn't agree with what the president was doing or whatever people were saying, um, even if you didn't agree with him, there had to be times where the press was so disingenuous that it made you just want to just stand and just beat them back. And then at other times, there had to be times when you were so tired and the president would tweet or do something and you'd say, oh, dear God, I can't, I can't do this another day. You're doing this to me now, too. Why would you tweet that? Will you, did you experience either one of those? No, both. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, look, I, I, and it's... It was it was an adaptive period of my life, meaning that for for all of my 25 years of doing this kind of stuff, my job was to basically say to the people that I served, okay, here's the strategy. Here are the tactics. Here's the message. Do you have any edits? Do you have any thoughts? Let's tweak this in the case of Trump. And so that had worked out well in the case of Mm -hmm. Trump's view was I'm leading the charge. You're following and and that's a vastly different dynamic. And mm. so, you know, you're right. You'd wake up and you'd be like, okay, I'm now getting asked about, you know, this tweet or this comment. And I have to call and say, you know, sir, what, what did you mean by this? <laughs> How do you want me to? And, you know, and, and it, it's not easy because, again, most politicians basically are like, hey, should I get peanut butter and jelly or just peanut butter? Like every decision they want crafted and thought about. And Trump's sort of like, I'm charging the hill and you can follow. And it's it, it, as, a, as someone who spent a lifetime doing this, it just it's you you realize that, like, the world that you used to live in and the way that you used to operate is not going to be the same. So, you know, and in some ways it, I would in some ways I would think that that was good in other ways, you know, uh, it would be. And I'm not talking about necessarily the policies where, you know, he finds you find out, oh, he's firing him. Uh, he just fired, you know, not not that kind of stuff. I mean. For instance, can you take me through the Access Hollywood Day? Yes, yeah, thank you for reliving that. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. So, <laughs> so I, um, I say, so here's the thing. I, I'm, um, 
And it's funny how, like, even now, the little things get overlooked, but we're on our way to the St. Louis debate, uh, which was on a Sunday. So it's Friday afternoon, I'm boarding a plane at Ronald Reagan Airport, and I'm on the phone with Jack Dorsey of Twitter. His digital team, my digital team, Twitter had just backed out of a deal because Hillary Clinton hadn't agreed to do the same kind of strategy buy thing that we're doing. I'm thinking, oh, my God, I have the this is going to be amazing. We're going to blow up Twitter for their bias. And it's going to continue to reveal how these folks are, you know, favor the left, try to undermine the right. I've got them dead to right. And I'm walking down the tarmac getting on this plane, which was going to be the last plane to St. Louis that had availability. And I look down and I get a text from our chief of staff that says, I need to talk ASAP. And I'm like, you know, you need to check your email. And I look down and there's a story that's now broken that says, you know, there's this tape. And I'm like, I'm going into my communicator crisis mode. I'm like, okay, but you know what? Like, that's what he said. She said, we know, you know, <laughs> like I'm just mentally trying right. to think, how do we immediately going to combat this thing? Mm-hmm. And then the next email goes, there's video. And I'm like, so I get on the phone with our <laughs> and, and she's like, you need to get back to the RNC ASAP. And I was like, look, if I get off this plane, I don't make it to St. Louis. Like, and, and I can't, we can't do that. Like my job is to help coordinate the thing. So I get on this plane with no Wi-Fi. Okay. Hang on, oh, hang, on hang on, hang on, hang on, hang <laughs> on. I've got to take a break here. So I don't mean to stretch out the agony for you, but uh, we'll, we'll pick it up there with Sean Spicer. The name of the book is uh, The Briefing, Politics, the Press, and the President, when we come back. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Sean Spicer, uh, the name of the book is The Briefing, Politics, the Press, and the President. Uh, he is, um, and I'm going to be straight up with you, almost didn't take this interview. Um, and only because I thought I would hear the same stuff. Uh, and uh, I, I, I don't know, Sean. Um, and somebody on my staff said, no, I think you should I think you should take him because I think there I, I think there's more than what you're seeing. Uh, and I'm glad I did. And in fact, we were just in the break and I'd, I'd like to invite you down, Sean. I'd like to spend a couple of hours because I think I think there is much, much more to you than. Uh, what you're ever going to be, um, I don't know, a- allowed to show. Um, uh, and we'll get into that later. But anyway, um, so you, we, we laugh. We laugh. Well, first, the, let me just say thank, yeah. thank you, Glenn. That means a lot. I, you know, the, the funny part is just just so you do know, we have met. Um, I handled, I'm sorry. Um, I, no, no. Here's why, though, because you're a busy man. I, I was in, I was running coordinating Fleet Week in New York. We had a bunch. Oh, of my gosh. All they all they wanted to do was to meet Glenn Beck. I remember you and now. Not, not only this, not only that, but you arranged dinner for them. You brought it all up and you said, I don't just want them to come to my show. I want to take care of these sailors when they come in for Fleet Week. And it was off camera. Hmm. It was Glenn Beck doing this because he wanted to, not because he needed to, not to get some kind of uh, PR blitz out of it. And I just, I will never forget that because that's the point. You didn't know who I was. You didn't know who these sailors were, but you made that day and that evening so special for those, for those folks that were up there for Fleet Week. Um, and, and I will never forget that wow. because that's the point. You don't know people. You have a ton of listeners and supporters and you do the right thing for them and that's why uh, i was so grateful to have you to be on your show today because i know that even when the camera's off when the radio's uh, mics are gone that you do the right thing for so many people and i i appreciate that thank you um 
Okay. Um, I, I would like to, I'd like to ask you if you would come down and, and spend a couple of hours with me um, and do a, a different kind of interview. Cause I, 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 I think you have a lot to share and really none of it about, you know, Trump. Um, but, uh, it, you know, please consider that. Um, I would. Thank you. So, so Sean, we were, we left you uh, on the tarmac trying to get to yeah. St. Louis the Access Hollywood tape just broke, uh, and you're told uh, you got to come back, and you say, if I don't get on this plane, so you're now on a plane without Wi-Fi. Yeah, land in St. Louis, you know, turn the phone back on, and it's literally like text message galore. Email, go like, what's your comment on this? Is he dropping out? What's going to happen? And, uh, you know, I'm calling back my job at that time was to help coordinate the logistics for the for the for the general election debates. And I'm it is literally duct taping the organization together right then. It was, oh, so and so's flight is no longer. Of, I mean, people were bailing like you wouldn't believe. Suddenly, you know, all, a lot of people didn't get on planes and they're like, I'm not going to I can't make it to St. Louis. Suddenly my mother just got sick. <laughs> and, we're, and, and 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 you are in I mean, that may be the biggest crisis situation I felt I have faced as a communicator, save some of the stuff at the White House. And it, it I, and I'm thinking to myself, OK, if this is any other candidate, here's what you do. You get out there, you do this, you apologize. And what happened that weekend that I, I write, I think, fairly extensively in the book about this, like, I mean, at one point we're getting ready for the debate and he's clearly on. And I'm thinking to myself, how do you do this? You've just been accused, not just accused of it, it's on video. It's, mm-hmm. it, and Bannon organizes this thing. He says, we're fighting back. And I'm like, well, what are you talking about? And no one, all of a sudden, they're like, there's a press conference about to start. And I'm like, with who? They're like, Trump. And I'm like, we're 20 or whatever an hour before a debate. What do you mean we're having a press conference? He's like, yeah, Bannon brought all of the Clinton accusers to the debate secretly and then they're going to speak and then he's going to sit them in the debate. I'm going, Oh my God, like what, what is going on here? And and it was just another example of Trump fighting back in a way that I've never, and you can, people can agree with him or disagree with him, but if you just stop for a second and analyze how he has plowed through some of these events in ways that I would never have recommended to any, any client, it's um, it, it's mind boggling to me because if someone said to me today, I saw Trump do this, I'm going to do the same thing. I would literally just stop and, and try to restrain them and say, please don't do this, because I don't think anyone else can get away with. I don't think so either. How, and it's just it doesn't it, it's not it is not some kind of tactic that people can adapt to. He truly is a unique candidate and now president. Yeah, it's just him. That's the way he is. And you can't copy yeah. it. Um, That's right. So, so um, Sean, the um, you you started the interview saying, you know, um, uh, you didn't like the personal attacks uh, from SNL. That at first it was funny, and then it started getting very personal. Um, in your book, you talk a little bit about um, how you were working late at night at the most secure place on earth, but your family wasn't. Tell yeah. me about what your family went through. Um, well, someone put my house up for sale one day. My wife calls me and says, um, hey, I just got to give you a heads up. One of the neighbors called. Apparently, our house is now listed for sale on Zillow. And I'm like, well, I go, well how much is it asking? <laughs> 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 before we, before we, <laughs> and, um, 
And they had sort of, let's just put it, not highlighted the positive aspects of living in our house as opposed to it was very focused on the current occupant being me. Um, And and what made it difficult, Glenn, is I don't think I ever anticipated the level of scrutiny and intensity that I would get. But my, my wife and my kids, that's another thing. And I still think that today where I watch some of the things that happen to other people's families and say, look, I don't think it's right some of the attacks that I get. Uh, but it's I've kind of put myself in that role. You as a host, put yourself out there. But but when someone starts going after your kids or your family or making threats against them or driving by our house and making, you know, it's like that. That's where I think you cross a line. I tell people all the time. I get the question. Did you feel safe? And I'm like, listen, my office is 25 feet from the Oval Office. If you can get to me, <laughs> we have a big, big problem. <laughs> right. Um, right. But, but 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 you can but but the but my wife and my kids are just hanging out there in public and they they didn't ask for this and that's where I I, I was worried because I'd get I'd leave at just after five in the morning get home sometimes as late as ten or eleven o'clock and, and you know it's amazing I didn't this is not a pity party I'm not but the amount of stuff that we had to do lifestyle wise to adapt to this job the amount of money that we put into security and other stuff is was ridiculous this is the this is i thought okay i'm serving my country this is great and now you know i've got people running around saying okay you need to remove these bushes because people could hide behind them you need to put this kind of security and it's like are you kidding this is what i'm doing to serve my country right so sean um i I don't know if you can um vocalize this um yet uh, but the the media is media history. You know the elites that that are the ones who uh, write history. Uh, they're they're not going to let you back into polite society. No matter what you do, you come on an award show and you mock yourself. It uh, it doesn't matter. They're not going to let you in to pl- uh, polite society again, if you will. They they're going to punish you. Um, you know, for being the the mouth and the face of of Donald Trump. H- how are you? How do you view that? How are you dealing with that? A, I think you're right. Um, B, I don't care. I know what I believe. I know why. Hang on, I just a sec. It. Wait, 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 wait. I say that a lot too. <laughs> so I, I understand. I understand the. I understand the 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 real feeling behind that because I say that too and I don't but you do there is a part of you that really does here's you're right in the sense that this I don't like when I meet a group of people and people start they assume very negative things about me or ascribe traits that in my worst dreams I would wish were never said. It hurts. There is no question. But at the end of the day, Glenn, I I look at this and say, here's the thing. I'm going to live my life. If I can say that I've been a good person, that I've treated people well, that I know who I am and I don't, because I I, I get your point, which is that we care, but we say we don't. And I, but I don't know how, and I'm still new at this, if you will, right? I, um, you know, I, I, this, all of this happened. I toiled in obscurity as a strategist for 25 years, but I, I, yes, do I not, I do not appreciate people thinking that I am a bad person. Okay. 
but I don't know how else to deal with it. And you probably could give me some good advice because there are people out there and the elite on the left that control so much that, you know, literally, um, you know, a woman last night in the hotel who is a fairly high up executive saw me checking in, walked over and just said, I can't believe you would ever work for a man like that. It doesn't say much about you. And I was like, that to me is very hurtful. Like, excuse me, I'm serving my country. This man was elected president of the United States. And for you to walk up and say, because I did that job, I am therefore a bad person is not something that I want to hear, that I like hearing. And what does it say about, what does it say about her that with only the image information that she has from the media and public that she felt she had the right to judge you? That's what I don't get. And the funny thing is, clearly she was coming from the left. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't like a lot of things that, uh, that some Democrats do, but I don't hold every supporter responsible for every bad act that every elected Democrat does. It's amazing to me. But I, I, to get back to the nut of your question, I just don't know how else to operate, which is the way I look at the world right now is when I walk down the street, half of the people probably don't like me. I don't know what I mean. I, I'm not I wrote the book for a reason. Part of it was I was tired of going out and listening to people tell me what I felt because they had read some story in Politico. And I said, you know what? Screw it. This is at least the thing. If you read the book and you say, I still don't like you, then fine. But I gave you an opportunity to, little, to learn a little bit more about who I am, you know, what my values are. And if you say, I still don't like you, okay, I don't like that. I wish I had 100% approval rating. It's not going to happen. I don't know how... Um, and, I, and I think it speaks to your point, much larger issues in society, the idea that the left in particular goes out and judges people by saying, OK, because you support these things or because you're a conservative or you stand up for this cause, you are fill in the blank, a you know, racist, sexist, monogamous, whatever it is, it, it, it is. And that's OK. It's just unbelievably wrong. Sean Spicer. Great to talk to you. Really great Thank to talk to you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. And I look forward to coming down and visiting with you. Thank you very much. Uh, the name of the book is called The Briefing, Politics, the Press, and the President. Really interesting. I love being surprised. I love it. This, this is the definition of honest questions. It, it, you don't get this from the press. I went in expecting very little, expecting to probably <laughs> spend 10 minutes with him uh, and uh, not getting into not, not being able to really get into anything with him uh, and asked him questions and he changed my mind. That's that is that should be what the press does. You can come in with your own thoughts but ask the questions and allow the person to change your mind about them. I like him. I can't wait to have him come down. And I do remember him now. Uh, he was a naval. I don't remember what he was doing, but he was he was working for the Navy. I think he was in uniform even at the time, maybe. Uh, <laughs> this is the, the fun thing about working with Glenn is he's met everybody but remembers nobody. So every time he thinks he's he's meeting somebody new, he's already met them like twelve times in really important so moments bad. in their lives. So bad, uh, <laughs> so bad. But I that do remember. Really, I do yeah. remember him, and I remember liking him. 
because we did set that up and it was just all off the record and he was so genuine and so nice yeah he was always I, he's far, you know always well liked in washington yeah um and he's been through quite the journey so that'll be that'll be a really interesting conversation Owning a home has never been easier, and it continues to be an incredible investment. Whether you're buying your first home, your next home, or even an investment home, let American Financing customize the right loan program for you. They're going to get pre-approval letter fast, so you're going to know exactly how much you're going to qualify for, and you can expect faster loan processing thanks to uh, you know the house in-house underwriting and decision making. So they're not they're not selling this off to somebody else. They do it all themselves, and they. They employ salary-based mortgage consultants, so they don't work for commission from the big banks. That's how you find the right loan for you. Now, they have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, over 1,800 uh, Google reviews. And you're going to be able to find out. Just just go on and read their reviews if you, if you need to find out more. But I'm telling you, I've known these people for over 10 years, and they are really, really great. AmericanFinancing.net. AmericanFinancing.net. Call them at 800-906-2440. 800-906-2440. You need a home loan or refi? AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing Corporation, NMLS 182334. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. I love it when I'm shocked. Just love it. Love it when I learn something new. Um, Sean Spicer, the name of the book is The Briefing. Sean was just on with us, and I can't wait to bring him back down here. I, I, wanna, I just want to sit him in this room for two hours with no commercials, and we're just going to talk. And then we'll just, you know, take it and, and uh, let you listen in and, and, and play the best parts on radio. But I, I, think, well, uh, I think he has a lot to say, and not about politics. Yeah. Just about the way the system is working. And just how to deal with that as a human being. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, it was interesting to me to hear him talk about, like, you know, Access Hollywood's going down. And Donald Trump's throwing a press conference and he's hearing about it, like, minutes before it's happening. Like, I mean, this must have been a, it must have been crazy to go chaos. through that time. Just chaos. chaos. Yeah. Chaos. Back in just a second. Glenn Beck. Okay. Communism, socialism, Marxism. For anybody who has studied history, those ideologies are clearly toxic. They are bloody and they are fatal. Socialism, Venezuela, how is that not toxic, bloody and fatal? Now, there are, you know, there's a crop of young romantics who love wearing Che t-shirts to Starbucks, you know, with his with with tattoos of his grizzled murderous face donned with a halo like some Spanish speaking John Lennon. But he wasn't. He was a ruthless killer. They swoon at the mention of Marxism, which is largely a consequence of the fanciful rhetoric that they've been fed, you know, by the beret clutching professors who, in reality, teach about the uh, merits of Marxism while enjoying the benefits of capitalism. They have never experienced the depravity of Marxism, socialism. Stephen Hicks He's written a book everybody should read. It's called Explaining Postmodernism. He wrote, socialism is the historic loser. And if socialists know that, they would hate that fact. They would hate the winners for having won. And they would hate themselves for having picked the losing side. Hate as a chronic condition leads to the urge to destroy, end quote. 
Now, part of the postmodernist fight against this reality is rhetoric, essentially lies. And they'll lie to do anything they have to to enforce their system. Now, I want you to hear this. Know that this isn't liberalism. This is not progressivism. This is postmodernism. And it is extremely important that you understand because of what postmodern, postmodernist goals are, which is complete destruction of the system that created the West, which is reason and enlightenment and science, clear thinking, truth. Okay, so this comes from Huffington Post. Now listen to this. Relax, boomers. Socialism is good now. That's the headline. In this story, they use a strategic the strategic lying devices as a way to coax people into believing the the sickening lie the false idea that socialism is somehow good it's it's right and it's not just possible but it's good now the article is not posted in the opinion section in other words they consider it to be actual fact and news now check out this gem which will likely end up in your writing manuals of your local journalism school as an example of good writing. Quote, the baby boomers are the worst American generation since Reconstruction. The baby boomers are the worst American generation since Reconstruction, but they had many reasons to turn out this way. The boomers were raised in a political culture dominated by madmen. Their minds were warped at an early age. For decades, boomers saw the term socialism deployed not to denote a set of economic policies, but to conjure uh, to conjure a a vague foreign horror. A vague foreign horror. No, it wasn't vague. It was quite clear. Accustomed to this nomenclature, boomers have reacted with fright or at least confusion to the terminology of today's American left, which has embraced now the word socialist and that label more widely than any domestic political movement in living history. But the boomers need to relax because socialism is good now. Now, what follows is a puzzling, nearly unintelligible rant about the merits of socialism. And the good part of me wants to sit down with this author and sit down and have dinner and chat about all of this until we come to some sort of understanding. But then I think, and I don't know if this is a worse part of me, but mostly I just want to buy this person a ticket for a vacation in Venezuela. It's Tuesday, July 31st. This is the Glenn Beck Program. I've been wanting to talk about this all day, and if I don't do it now, I'm going to forget, and it's really important. Mercury One uh, and our partners are en route to California right now to provide aid and relief to the first responders and those affected by the fires. As of Monday morning, the fire is only 17% contained and has burned over 95,000 acres of land in the Redding, California community, with more than 550 structures that have been burned. 
we have Operation uh, Barbecue Relief, which will feed forty to 60,000 meals in the next 10 days to the first responders and anybody else who's in need. A donation of $20 can feed five people. 20 bucks. Uh, City Impact sending relief uh, to support those who have been evacuated and have lost their homes. We have Team Rubicon on standby. They are going to uh, respond as soon as the fire is contained. And we really need your help. Could you please go to mercuryone.org and make a donation? Mercuryone.org. And let's help our friends out in California who have uh, lost their homes and so much more. California, we are, uh, you are in our thoughts and prayers. Okay. Yesterday, Chris Pratt came out with a letter that all of the Guardians of the Galaxy signed. And it was an open letter, and it was to all the fans and friends of Guardians of the Galaxy. And it was about James Gunn. Stu, in 45 seconds, can you give me the rundown of what happened to James Gunn? Yeah, I mean, uh, after he had... Uh, participated in a little bit of uh, lynch mob, a little bit of a lynch mob on Ben Shapiro, Mark Duplass, two people we really like, by the way. Um, he had people went back, found out his old his old tweets. What did he say back in the day? And dug up some uh, you know jokes that were intentionally offensive and uh, very dark, you know, very, very dark humor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and someone on you know kind of on the alt right decided to make this sort of his big cause. And act as if he believed he was really a pedophile or something because the jokes, some of them were, were joking about that. Uh, and, of course, this is a Disney production, right? And Disney does not want to be involved in pedophilia jokes. Uh, so they uh, fired him. Uh, and he no longer is going to direct the Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. Part 3. So the other part of this is is that um, what the alt-right, and it wasn't the right, it was the alt-right that did this. Um, they went and, uh, interestingly enough, uh, left out the fact that he, in 2012, just on self-reflection, went back to all the jokes and all the things that he had written on Twitter and said, you know, I, I've just reread all of this stuff that I've done, and I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be the provocateur, and I, I apologize to anybody who has been offended by this, and I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. And he spent the, you know, the... the the uh, years after 2012 proving it by not being that guy right and you mentioned it there and it's important to focus on and that it was not a moment of the mob came after him and he had to apologize right he on his own decided you know what i want to be a different person and he you know decided to implement change and then successfully implemented it for what six years yeah so so he's fired and um chris pratt and the rest of the uh, cast come out with this to our friends and fans We fully support James Gunn. We're shocked by his abrupt firing last week and have intentionally waited these 10 days to respond in order to think, pray, listen, and discuss. In that time, we've been encouraged by the outpouring of support from uh, fans and members of the media who wish to see James reinstated as director of Volume 3, as well as discouraged by those so easily duped into believing the many outlandish conspiracy theories surrounding him. 
Being in the Guardian Galaxies movies has been a great honor for each of us. And we cannot without this, um, uh, we cannot let this moment pass without expressing our love, support, and gratitude for James. We are not here to defend his jokes of many years ago, but to share our experience of having spent many years together in the making of Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2. The, uh, the character he has shown in the wake of his firing is consistent with the man that he is on the set every day. And his apology, now and from years ago, when addressing these remarks, we believe is from the heart, a heart we know, trust, and love. In casting each of us uh, to help him tell the story of misfits who find redemption, he changed our lives forever. We believe the theme of redemption has never been more relevant than now. Each of us looks forward to working with our friends, James, again. There is little due process in the court of public opinion. And James is likely not the last good person to be put on trial. Given the growing political divide in this country, it is safe to say instances like this will continue, although we hope Americans from across the political spectrum can ease up on the character assassinations and stop weaponizing mob mentality. So yesterday, um, I saw this post and immediately saw that Chris Pratt is now being called a protector of pedophilia. Chris Pratt. Now, I don't know Chris Pratt, and I don't know James Gunn, but I, I have watched Chris Pratt in public just as much as you have. I have praised Chris Pratt just recently for being one of the bravest Christians I have seen with what he did at MTV. That takes real character and commitment and so here is Chris Pratt last week defending James Gunn and just using Bible scripture of let's let's be slow to anger and judgment, please. Now he's just saying there's there's no there's no due process here. You can't just lodge a bunch of stuff and say, oh, he's this and then get fired for it. And then that's the end of it. And he's right. I have supported not his jokes, but I have supported the end of this mob mentality. I I was defending Ben Shapiro and I was defending uh, uh, what's his name? Who started it? Mark Duplass. Uh, Mark Duplass. Here's Mark Duplass, a guy on the left, hard left, who is trying who recommended to people on the left. Listen to Ben Shapiro. You should listen to him. What did people on the left do? Well, they attacked him, and it was mob mentality. And that got Mark Duplass to back off. Now, that's, that's bad. That's bad. And I have exchanged emails with Mark. And he is, while he had a moment of weakness, I don't believe he is going to continue to be weak. It was mobs that surrounded him. He just had never seen it before. So, James... James Gunn now gets, because of an alt-right guy, remember the alt-right wants chaos. What does he do? Well, he says this, and within, a, you know, within 12 hours, this guy goes from a joke writer to a pedophile. And it's midnight on Saturday, and I start to write something. My wife says, what are you doing? I said, I cannot, I can't stand by with this. This is craziness what's happening. She said, please, honey, don't get involved. It's only going to get you in trouble. And that was the that's that was the final straw. That's when I knew that's when I looked at her and I (laughs) smiled and said, well, now I have to. 
Not to stand is to stand. Not to speak is to speak. You have to speak up. First, they came for the trade unionists. James Gunn is not a friend of mine. James Gunn, I don't care who makes the next movie. But James Gunn is a human being. Just like Ben Shapiro is a human being. And just like I said to James Gunn when I was defending Ben Shapiro to him, stop it. That's not who Ben is. You don't know him. I say the same thing. We don't know James Gunn. And to, to throw around pedophile is really pretty harsh. Is there a worse title? Seems to be the first line of attack now. Anyone, right. I, whether you're making pizzas uh, or you made a joke, or so, it's just it's like a it's like a greeting online. It's you're it's, a pedophile is now the new hello, right? And and so what happened is for three days after defending him, I'm becoming a pedophile supporter. <laughs> Excuse me, I've raised more money in this country than mm. probably any other single individual to stop that. We currently have people all over the world to stop that. Then Chris Pratt, he gets the same treatment. This is the time that I talked about. And I said, there's going to be a time and you're going to and, and it's going to feel good. And everybody's going to be running the other direction. And you have to stop and say, don't don't do it. Don't go that way. Don't go that way. And it's going to be really hard. And let me show you, after I tweeted support for Chris Pratt yesterday, let me show you something that NBC came out with and the way they tried to explain what happened to James Gunn, which just made it so much harder for me to continue to say, no, that's not right. Because wait until you hear how the left and NBC hears this and how they're spinning this. And we have a choice to be made. We can either hit back and engage in destruction and chaos in hopes that what? We win and the other side, uh, what happens to them? They're not going to listen. They're not going to change. Their hearts are going to be harder or we do the tough work right now and we start to stand together on things and say, look, you know what? We disagree on we could disagree on everything, but this is a basic human principle. We are not a lynch mob. And hope that in time that hearts will be changed. I want to show you what happened yesterday and and show you exactly how the other side is spinning things and how wrong it is. And, and we must recognize that. But we can use that as an example and say, why? Why would you do this? And try to reach to the people, not the diehards that are never going to get it, but reach to the people who are our neighbors or live down the street or, or are very much like you and are tired of this. Those are the people that we should be targeting to understand. Not the big elites who have an agenda and will never change. 
Middle of the night, you're tossing and turning, you're not sleeping, you're drenched, you're covered in sweat. Well, you could run the AC, you could run the fan all night to keep cool, good luck with that. Or you get rid of that heat-trapping mattress and sleep cool and comfortable like I do with a Casper mattress. Casper mattresses use pr- premium foams that relieve pressure and help align your body so you can fall asleep feeling comfortable and wake up feeling refreshed. Thanks to the breathable material, you are granted, you are guaranteed to sleep all night, all summer long. And it ships for free in a little teeny box. So you just open it up and this giant mattress springs out and it's unbelievable. Uh, and then you try it out for 100 nights. If you don't like it at any point, you just call them up and they will come and pick up the mattress and re- return 100% of your money. So it's risk-free, 100 nights. If you don't love it, they'll come and get it. Casper. Get a good night's sleep with Casper. Try yours for 100 nights free with shipping and returns being free. It's Casper.com. Use the promo code BECK. $50 off the purchase of your mattress right now with the promo code BECK at Casper.com. That's Casper.com. Promo code BECK. All right. I, I want to play this. <laughs> Believe me. Whew, it's going to be hard to listen to. This is the way NBC is spinning now what happened uh, with James Gunn, who was involved in taking down Ben Shapiro. Now, listen. We're at this really interesting place now where tweets can be weaponized against us uh, for very explicitly political purposes. And um, the pernicious thing about the way the alt-right used Gunn's tweets to get him fired and exact this kind of punitive measure against somebody who, by all accounts, did not exhibit that behavior in the future and had worked to rectify it, is really troubling. For the most part, I think you could argue that on the left, it is at least so it is at least born of a desire to improve the discourse and the and the acceptability of of certain people, certain marginalized groups, and diminishing hate speech. Oh, Whereas with Cernovich and people on the alt right, they take those same principles and act on them in bad faith. Holy cow! Holy cow! There's a lot to say here. Uh, well, first of all, for the most part, the people on the left are only targeting people to uh, diminish their influence because of the hate speech, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you'd have to throw out all of postmodernist philosophy, and you would have to throw out everything you know about media matters to even come close to that being true. But that's not where it ends. We'll get to that and also something else from the view that goes along with this point, and then you have a decision to make. How are you going to react? Also, Pat Gray coming up. When you walk into a car dealership, you can't choose who's necessarily going to be selling you the car. Normally, just whoever walks up to you at the beginning is the person you deal with. You don't have to do that with real estate agents. Realestateagentsitrust.com is a website with over 1,200 agents all around America that are rigorously qualified. They have uh, their marketing plans looked over, their experience, their character, and the results they get for their clients. That's how they figure out who to, who gets it through the process. It's not an easy process for these agents to go through. But they're going through it because they believe uh, they're going to be dealing with good people like you. If you're in this audience and you have the same values um, that we talk about every day, 
you know, it's somebody I know I like to work with people who share my values, and that's why they're on this website, and that's why I think you should go there. If you go to realestateagentsitrust.com, you're going to find someone who's a fan of the show, who wants to be involved, who wants to wants your business, and is going to earn it. If you need to sell a house fast and for the most money, or if you're looking to buy, go to realestateagentsitrust.com, and you'll be introduced to the best agent in your town. realestateagentsitrust.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. We're at this really interesting place now where tweets can be weaponized against us uh, for very explicitly political purposes. Yes. And um, the pernicious thing about the way the alt-right used Gunn's tweets to get him fired and exact this kind of punitive measure against somebody who, by all accounts, did not exhibit that behavior in the future and had worked to rectify it is really troubling. For the most part, I think you could argue that on the left, it is at least... So it, it is at least born of a desire to improve the discourse <laughs> no, and the, no, and no, the acceptability nope. of, of certain people, no. certain marginalized groups, no, and diminishing no. hate speech. Whereas no. with Cernovich and people on the alt-right, mm-hmm. they take those same principles and act on them in bad faith. Yes. Yes. He has the alt-right down. Not the right, but I don't think there's a difference in his head probably from the alt-right and the right. He has the, the alt-right down. They are trying to cause chaos. He has the first part down, the reason why it was so bad. Yes. The idea that the left is only doing this for the good. I mean, they're trying to. I mean, sometimes they make a mistake, but really explain media matters. The whole organization built on millions of dollars of donations specifically designed to attack their political opponents with out-of-context material from their past. That is the entire mission statement of that organization. And they take that as fact, and they spread it, and they cheer. They cheer them from the sidelines. They treat them with actual respect. They take their research seriously. There is no difference between Media Matters and Cernovich. None. No. Except for one is really well-financed. Yeah, and the other is just a guy. Yeah. I mean, there's. You're right. There's absolutely no. He just. He just learned the lessons. Media matter took the made the road. They cleared the forest. Mm-hmm. They made the road. They flattened it out. They paved it. And he built houses. They built houses Hotels. on it. There's there's, there's food. Sto- you know, yeah, stops are, on the side of the they road. They are park place and uh, they're park place <laughs> and and boardwalk. And then like Mike Cernovich drives down it once on his little tricycle, and everyone's all get all gets all upset. Yeah. Oh, how dare he go down it on his tricycle? It's like, I got it. I mean, I don't like what he does either. Okay, but I mean, let's not be... You guys, this is your creation, your world. So I just had tweeted my support yesterday for Chris Pratt and uh, James Gunn, again, mm-hmm. and getting hammered for it. When this appears in my Twitter feed, and I'm beside myself, and it mm. makes me want to remove my name from support, Okay. <laughs> And I, that is a logical feeling, okay? However, I just want to say this. Then it becomes about them and not about you. You cannot change. The world may change. The world may go over a cliff. You must not go over the cliff. You know what's right. You know what's wrong. Do what you know is right, no matter what the rest of the world does. And I will tell you, there is no one that is going to listen. No one's going to have their mind change if we treat them the way they have treated us. There's, they're not going to change their mind. It will validate in their minds that we are those people. 
The only thing that will change people's minds is if we rally to those who have been wronged in any way, even if we vehemently disagree with them and we can't support what they said to say this is wrong. Now, people say, oh, Glenn Beck, you were for Roseanne's firing. No, I wasn't. I said to you, I don't like the fact that we're going down this road. Nuance. If I am the CEO of ABC, I probably fire her because nothing can hurt the mouse. Nothing can hurt the shareholder value. So I wouldn't have hired her in the first place. And the same thing with James Gunn. If I'm if I am Disney and I got a guy who now the Internet has labeled a pedophile. Sure. Would I like to stand up for his rights? But Nothing can hurt the mouse. They're a business. Does it make it right? But if you think last week was the first they'd ever heard of those tweets, you're pretty naive. Of course. They, they hired the guy, what, 2000? When did when was the first uh, Guardians of the Galaxy? I don't know. 2013, 14? Yeah, yeah. 2012 is when he He'd was... already apologized for it yeah. in 2012. Publicly yeah. in interviews. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So they knew about it. Right. But, they, and they hired him anyway. But it wasn't a big deal at that time. Right. And but the difference that, also between but, Roseanne, and I am not for, <laughs> I'm not for the firing of anyone on a Twitter, on a tweet, especially if it's taken out of context. Now, with with Roseanne, Roseanne has a long history. She called for the execution of bankers, the beheading of bankers. And it was not a joke that was she was running for president. Actual policy. It was policy. So she is out of her mind crazy. Now, I I certainly didn't uh, I certainly didn't throw up my arms and say, oh, my gosh, what a tragedy. Because, and this is probably wrong of me, because she is somebody who is so wildly dangerous to the right, and she was convincing everybody that that's who the right is. She's not the right. If anything, Mm. she's alt-right. Nobody who calls for socialism and the beheading of bankers is should be considered a conservative or a Donald Trump supporter or that's anything like right. us. That's just left. That's just crazy. You're just left yeah. wing. Well, yeah. and, and, alt, and if you look at the alt right's actual philosophy, you find that they support almost all the big government left wing policies. Oh my gosh, well, you, you know, you guys have universal health care and all of those things. You right. have to see Dinesh D'Souza's movie, his new movie. Oh yeah, want to. it's coming okay. out. Want it to. is. It is absolutely fantastic. There's one part where he goes in and he says. You know, so I wanted to find out what the alt-right was because everybody is saying that it is it's conservative, but it's not. They are for all of the things that the right stands against. So he goes to Richard Spencer and he does a sit down interview with him and he says, Mm. so tell me about the Bill of Rights. And Spencer's like, you don't have any rights. Rights come from government. What? What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. You I mean, tell me wow. about tell me about socialism. Socialism, I think, is good. I mean, he oh, just worse goes, than I thought it was. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Jeez. And it, it just takes apart the idea that this is the conservative. Is the right. movement. It's not a conservative movement, yeah. period. It's not. It's just finding a home there because we were so beaten up and we wanted a bully on our side, I guess. Well, they're, they're not part of us, and they shouldn't be part of us. And, they, and we have to do everything we can to mm-hmm. separate ourselves from them. And by defending mm-hmm. people like Cernovich does not help us. It doesn't help us. 
There was something on The View that was remarkably the same. Oh, it's, the same it's the same thing. I mean, I agree with this clip. This is Leslie Jones. Or Leslie Jones is the she was the sort girl of on, comedian. She was uh, she was the one on Ghostbusters. She was remember? in Ghostbusters. Oh. And if you remember, uh, again, another guy I have no taste for, Milo Yiannopoulos, who was on uh, Twitter and got kicked off of Twitter because he had people going after her. Right. Um, so that's kind of you Twitter know how mom. you might remember her. Um, but this is this. And is she was very upset about that. Very upset about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and she quit Twitter at least for a while. Right. Uh, and it, he wound up getting kicked off of it because of this incident. But she, so this is her now talking about jokes and and living your life not addicted to outrage. Listen. Job because let me explain something to you. You're not letting comedians do their job, and you're miserable. <laughs> you're miserable because laughter is a release, just yeah. like at watching acting, just like listening to music, just like looking at art. Laughter is a release that you are now cutting off. Stop walking around so offended. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to survive life mm-hmm. if you walk around offended. <laughs> so now here's the problem with this she is only seeing the job of a comedian this is what happens to all of us we only see it from our side of 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 the the pond well i'm a comedian you can't shut me down well no yes i agree but that's called freedom of speech and you shouldn't be so offended when somebody says something about you you just have mm-hmm. to move on. We have to take personal responsibility and have thicker skin. Yeah, that's a problem. First time anybody says anything about her, she's going to be out of her mind, pissed. Oh, yeah, of course. She was. She was. She was already. Mm-hmm. Um, the good thing, though, is Loyola, Loyola Marymount is uh, hosting an event that's going to help all of us. Oh, um, it's going to help people decipher the alphabet soup of sexual orientation and gender identities. Now, keep in mind, this Loyola Marymount is a Catholic, a Catholic university. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, according to the, fl- the flyer on the event on the university's website, the September 14th seminar mm-hmm. will closely examine the ever-expanding LGBTQ community uh, because the acronym seems to be getting longer every day. No, you, you forgot I. I just well, there was LGBT. Yeah. LGBTQ, uh-huh. LGBTQQIA, LGBTQQIA2. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, there's just quilt bags. Qu- quilt uh, bags? Quilt, quilt bags. Quilt bags. They're, that's I guess that's the new term? Quilt bags. <laughs> quilt bags. Instead of LGBTQ, IQQIA2. For it's two quilt spirit. bags. Quilt bags. Okay. Quilt bag means. Now, quilt bag uh, is an acronym to replace uh, LGBTQQ2IA. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the Q is for queer and questioning. So they're kind of cheating there a little bit. Right. Because they're not using a silent Q there. They should use a they silent should. Q. Because you're, be Q-Q. you're demeaning one Q. Thank you. Thank you. The U is for unidentified. The I. Oh, unidentified. Unidentified. As in flying objects. As in. Flying objects in the bedroom. What is what? 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 what I think. Can you help me at all with unidentified? I, my sexuality mm. is unidentified. I'm just really not sure okay. who you want to sleep with at any given time. Okay. So this does have something to do with sex. <laughs> oh yeah. Not gender identity. Right. Not just gender. No, identity. No, not just gender. But it identity. is both. Okay. All right. Then there's intersex for the I. 
And intersex means that that you are both, both. sexes. Okay. All right. Okay. The L, lesbian, fairly yeah. self-explanatory. Uh-huh. T. T, transgender, transsexual, okay. again. Right. Yeah. Uh, the B, bisexual. Mm-hmm. The A, asexual. Mm-hmm. And the G, again, cheating a bit, gay and genderqueer. Y- using you that. Double, you, you double, double up there. Doubled up. Now, what the, is ge- what is genderqueer? I mean, you're. I'm trying to find unidentified. Still, you're wondering. <laughs> <laughs> like to know what gender queer is and un- unidentified. Because I, I think, and and you know, we occasionally will mock the idea mm-hmm. a little bit of you know all of these letters being added and how we all have to have our own little group that has because it has really grown quite right. a bit. Well, it, when it, you it almost conform- doesn't even. When you can form a word. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. But I think here. In fact, in, in this case, a compound yeah. word. Uh-huh. I hear, though, I think this is a legitimate improvement. Like, quilt bag is legitimately That's better good than LGBTQI2A yeah. or whatever like, it yeah. is. It's yeah. a, it's a like good development because you can say it much easier. No, yeah. it's not an insult, is it? Because it feels like an insult. It's That's but what it's we not were supp- saying. Yeah. It sounds like well, an insult, but it's, it's not, not. So according to the seminar. It's, it's actually pronounceable. So here is the, here is the, here's the conundrum. It was put together, apparently, by a religious group. <laughs> but it was a religious group at a university. Right. So so that makes it okay. I think it's okay. The university disqualifies the religious group. I think I so. I think it does. I think so. Or cancels it out so it's nothing. Right. Uh, Gender queer. Okay. Is most commonly is. used to describe a person who feels that his or her gender identity does not fit into the socially constructed norms associated with his or her biological sex. Wait, isn't that everything else in quilt bag? I feel like it. I feel like you, right? Like if you're unidentified, you haven't identified mm-hmm. what your thing Look is. Look up unidentified. Mm-hmm. I can't find it. What do you mean you can't find it? Oh, it's I, the I, you and quilt bag. I know. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'll have to. I'll have to get back to you on this. I think we're okay. Well. You said that as if it was so obvious. It's the you right, and quilt, quilt bag. Quilt bag. Hey, Come on. Look how it rolls off your tongue. Uh, yeah, it does. Right. I mean, it's like it it's does. so much better than LGBTQI2A. <laughs> well, you did think, though, the two is not in quilt bag. So we had to make it quilt bag two electric boogaloo. And then you can add a lot of other letters. <laughs> I think that's a movie. Okay. I'm, not, I'm not sure. Thank you, Pat. Pat Gray uh, and his orchestra and the Singing Cowboys. It's Tuesday. Back with Pat Gray uh, coming up at... Uh, the top of next hour on the blaze radio network immediately following this program by the way uh i'm seeing undecided as well as an alternative to unidentified there could be two used there's lots of silent letters in there Mm -hmm. okay uh once again sensitive personal data has been exposed in uh, a, a data breach for nearly two months an unauthorized party reportedly stole usernames passwords to log in on uh into online accounts but it's really, I mean, it's not a problem. It was only just major department store websites. So, I mean, who uses those? Customer data such as full names, addresses, phone numbers, email addresses, birthday, payment, uh, card numbers, uh, expiration dates, all of it compromised. Did you even know about this? With your personal information from a data breach, criminals can now get into absolutely every aspect of your life. That's why you need LifeLock. I want you to go to lifelock.com and use the promo code Beck. LifeLock has their new identity theft protection with Norton Security. Now, nobody can, you know, stop all trans or follow all transactions at all businesses, um, you know, but uh, but they can. They can find the threats that you might otherwise miss. So 
lifelock.com with Norton Security. They got you on both sides now, and they're working for you 24-7. Just got, just got a warning from LifeLock. Somebody has opened up three different accounts in my wife's name. Oh, congratulations. You know the great New thing members is? members of the family. Yeah. You know the great thing is? What? Don't have to worry about it. All blocked. All, all blocked, all taken care of, nice. all done by LifeLock. Mm. 1-800-LIFELOCK. 1-800-LIFELOCK. Use the promo code BECK. Get an extra 10% off your first year. It's promo code BECK at LifeLock.com. So, you know, some people would say socialism always ends up, you know, going too far. You know, death camps, you know, riots, uh, starvation, etc. Um, no, Bloomberg says that uh, some of these experiments haven't just gone far enough. I think that's what always happens, Glenn. Socialism right. would work if just people would just implement it correctly. It's, it's a perfect brother. system, but they it never is. go far enough. And that's why right. Finland's basic income tax w- t- test wasn't ambitious enough is the uh-huh. headline. Okay. We'll get into that tomorrow. But I mean, the, the bottom line is it was encouraging people to work. Oh, well, um, you can't give them free money not, and encourage no. them to work. No, the whole point is they can them? stay home. Oh, my gosh. That's so easy. Thank goodness Bloomberg is here to help us out. That's tomorrow on the broadcast. Glenn Beck. Mercury.